What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's episode of Podmosh. So today's episode is with Harold Wallach, Dr. Harold Wallach. So he's an Austrian researcher, um, did a very large sample study, uh, research study on adverse events in pretty much all of Europe. Um, his conclusions were pretty controversial, um, and then he got canceled. He got fired from his university because of some of the conclusions he had regarding the vaccine. So super interesting. Y'all check it out. Um, it was a, it was a learning thing for me as well. So we had a great conversation with him. Um, hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. All right, Dr. Wallach, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, tell me a little bit about what you do before we get into this topic. Well, I am a health researcher by profession. I have been uh, doing research in various medical areas. I've been researching complementary medicine. I've been researching mindfulness. And I'm also uh, theoretically active. So I have been doing theoretical research in philosophy, theory and history of science. So I do various things. And I just became interested in that COVID-19 um, issue when I saw some divergencies <clears throat> between the data which I was studying and what has been um, communicated publicly. Okay, so there were some questions that you had. You began researching it and what yeah, was... I was just curious. I was curious. No, go yeah. ahead. Keep, keep on with that. You were saying that you were well, that's curious. All. I, was, I was just curious because I wanted to understand what was going on. And so I was kind of unwillingly uh, moving into that field, looking at original data, looking how these original data were being um, commented on by public uh, channels. And so made myself a little bit acquainted. Okay. Now, what were some of those questions that initially brought you to begin researching um, COVID-19? Well, the, the very initial questions uh, were raised quite early on because I was studying those models uh, that were produced by Ferguson and others uh, from Imperial College in London, um, saying that if we don't do anything, we will be all infected and half a million of people will die in Germany and in the UK and 2.5 million in in the US and when I looked at the model I saw that they made assumptions which I did not think were warranted and so I was just looking at the data and saw that that was not what was happening uh, because very soon we saw from the uh, Japanese cruise ship that not everybody was uh, infected. And then I uh, mailed the German authorities who were actually using the very same model and asked them why they would not want to adapt their model. Never got any answers. So uh, I was just observing what was going on. So the initial model that was projecting all the deaths within this COVID-19 virus spreading across the globe, you saw some loopholes. What were those loopholes? Well, the assumption that no one would have a um, immunity, that was obviously wrong. And probably in June, March, uh, April, June, July last year, the first studies came out that were looking at immunity and uh, there are various studies now and all of them show that 
something in between 45 to maybe even 80% of the people do have some pre-existing immunity, and that is from uh, cross-reactivity, both of uh, T-cells, but also other components of the immune system. What is always neglected is innate immunity. And so it became pretty obvious to me that the assumption that there was no immunity whatsoever was simply wrong. And what I was really, um, I would say, annoyed about is that nobody ever adjusted for that. Yeah. The whole natural immunity thing has, has been completely left by the side. And that's been a frustrated, yeah. frustration of mine. It's something I'm trying to just figure out more because we have decades of research regarding natural immunity. And that there's a, I mean, I mean, we have a, a tons of research showing that natural immunity in regards to virus is uh, what would the, the foundation of how we fight off disease. So the yeah. fact that that we're only getting one side of the story that the vaccine is the only way to go has been a, we'll just say a curiosity of mine as to why that is. So that being said, you've jumped into starting this vaccine study and it was a fairly large study regarding a very large sample size. So tell me what the study's about and then what you found. Well, this is actually not a study in itself. What we did was we used data of another study. This was uh, the largest field study of the BioNTech Pfizer uh, vaccine, which was conducted in Israel by Dagan and, and colleagues. <clears throat> and they used a fairly large sample of a million people looking at the effect of the vaccine in a field setting. And that was uh, specific or special because normally uh, these studies are done in very defined cohorts or uh, randomized groups. And that was not a randomized study, that was a field study in the sense that uh, they were studying people who were being vaccinated and compare them with people who were not vaccinated. So. Uh, this was possibly the most naturalistic setting as it can be. And we and they also published what is known as uh, effect sizes. So clinical effect sizes, uh, how effective these uh, vaccines or this vaccine was compared to being not vaccinated. And we used that type of data to calculate uh, what is known as a number needed to vaccinate. That is a clinical effect size. When you when you listen to radio or television uh, communications about the efficacy of, of the vaccines, what you normally hear is vaccine efficacy. So how effective is the vaccine uh, compared to not being vaccinated? That is a, a relative efficacy. So you compare the relative effect size uh, to a control group. But what is really interesting is the absolute effect size. And the absolute effect size is something where you have to factor in also uh, how many people do you have to vaccinate in order to see an effect. And that is dependent on uh, the prevalence of the infection. And that is always 
and neglected in relative efficacy. So we wanted to see the absolute efficacy and that we could do in that study because it was so large and because uh, the authors also calculated the effects, <clears throat> for instance, how many people died in the control group, how many people died in the vaccinated group. That was only after four weeks, which is very, very short, but it's the only type of data we have that allows that calculation. And so we used that, uh, what is called the absolute uh, risk difference, which is the risk of dying in the control group, standardized on everybody that has been observed, minus the risk of dying uh, in the treated group, again, standardized on everybody who was uh, looked at. And that absolute risk difference is actually quite small. It is only 0 0.0003. And if you convert that into the number needed to vaccinate, which is a simple arithmetic, so you, you take one divided by the absolute risk difference, you reach uh, a number that you need to vaccinate to prevent Cut out a little bit here. Event one death. And that number from that study is 16,000 people. We cut, we cut in out order a little to bit save here. one life. Sorry, mm -hmm. we, we cut you cut out for a little bit there. And so I, oh, I just got you back. <clears throat> I know, I know it is. Um, so just go back about 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah, so we could use this study to uh, calculate the number needed to vaccinate save one life after four weeks. And that number is 16,000 roughly. It's one divided by the absolute risk difference. Um, this is only after four weeks. So this is a very short period, but it's the only type of data we have. So after four weeks, you save one life by vaccinating 16,000 people. Wow. If you have a longer observation period, that, that will probably change, but we don't have the data. So we use that data <clears throat> to see <clears throat> how effective would that uh, vaccine be. And if you vaccinate 16,000 people, then you have one person's life saved in that study. Okay. Now, that would not be a problem if the vaccines are really safe and if they don't have any side effects. So what we wanted to do is compare that clinical effect of that vaccination with potential side effects. So we looked at various uh, side effect data and there is the European Medicines Agency, which has an adverse uh, drug reaction database where you can look it up. And one of our colleagues, Wouter Aukema, who is a Dutch data analyst, he uh, skimmed that database very thoroughly and found out that the uh, response rate, so the, the, the rate at which different countries in Europe report to that database is very, very different. So, for instance, Poland only reports 15 side effects per 100,000 vaccinations, whereas Holland reports 701 side effects per 100,000 vaccinations. And that is probably because uh, different countries have different reporting standards. So we decided to use the Dutch database, which is the most thorough database. 
where they also say on their website uh, that they uh, check the entries by investigators. So we use that database to calculate the number of side effects per 100,000 vaccinations and the number of deaths per 100,000 vaccinations. And at the time we did that, that was uh, in June, we saw 4.11 deaths per 100,000 vaccinations and 16 uh, severe side effects per 100,000 vaccinations. Now, we have to be clear about the fact that this is not a truly causal attribution. It is just uh, uh, death reported after vaccinations and side effects varied with the death prevented by that uh, the data that came out of that uh, large Israeli study. And there you see, uh, we, as we prevent six deaths, uh, yeah, as we prevent <clears throat> six deaths per uh, 100,000 vaccinations, because 16,000 is the number needed to vaccinate. If you uh, divide 100,000 by 16,000, then you, <clears throat> you reach six. So you have six lives saved by 100,000 vaccinations. And in the Dutch database, you have four lives uh, that are at risk by 100,000 vaccinations. And then we also used other data from pivotal um, regulatory trials, which have, which have a, a, a little bit a better um, data. And if you use that, then you see it is between one and eight lives you save, or four, sorry, between four and, and 32 lives you save. In, uh, and you have uh, those four lives per 100,000 vaccinations uh, that you risk. And so we thought this is not a very good uh, risk-benefit ratio, and people should probably uh, study <clears throat> the safety profile of those vaccines a little bit more closely. And so we published that in the journal Vaccines, and that created a huge uh, uproar for editors uh, threatened to withdraw from the journals, or six editors, I think it was, it were, <clears throat> these were, and the journal retracted the paper. Wow. And now it is retracted and we are trying to publish it somewhere else. And we are quite sure that this will be published someplace else because it's simply an important message. We are not saying this is the final number. We only use the data from the studies we have. But we are saying, obviously, the risk-benefit profile of these vaccines is much uh, less benevolent than people thought so far. And we should uh, instigate uh, a safety yeah. study that so, uh, would, yeah. So I just want to summarize kind of everything you just said. You just did a very large sample size from multiple countries. You <clears throat> used basically, so in America, we have the VAERS, the uh, Vaccine Diverse Reporting It's similar agency. to the VAERS, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. very similar to that. You used all that data from Poland, Dutch. You've used a uh, uh, a data scientist. That's his specialty to pull this data. Um, and the sample size was 
In the millions? Is that what I hear? Oh uh, yeah, it was more. I mean, in 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 Europe, they the well, the, sorry, the data from 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 Holland were probably based on some four million or so vaccinations. I'm not quite sure how many how many vaccinations there were in Holland, but in in Europe we have maybe uh, something like sixty or so million. No, we have more. I don't, I, don't, I can't recall because uh, we have. Uh, probably 80% vaccinations of the population in, in Europe. And that must be something like okay. in the in the hundreds, 100 okay. million or so. But so we use the Dutch database and there would probably be, uh, there would probably be something like um, a couple of million vaccinations behind this data. So it's quite a large sample size, yes. Yeah, that's a very large sample size. And it's from a variety mm -hmm. of different countries. And you've incorporated- and in fact, the Sorry, the, the U.S. virus database has also been uh, evaluated by Jessica Rose, and she found a very similar uh, figure, 3.4 uh, deaths per 100,000, which is slightly less than, than the figure from the, from the Dutch database, but it's very similar. Okay, so... And knowing that these ADR database reports are hugely underreported, it is likely that there are even more uh, more side effects. <clears throat> to help control that for that, though, for the mild to moderate symptoms, you only included severe symptoms, right? So, what were those severe symptoms? Well, we only we 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 only looked at severe side effects and at death. Yeah, so there were sixteen severe side effects per hundred thousand. Um, vaccinations and four deaths per 100,000 vaccinations. Okay. And severe side effects are various ones. So there, a lot of them are, in fact, um, vascular. So thrombosis, embolies, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, and there are also other ones. I don't, I don't know the, the, the quality of those because we didn't look into, into those specifically. We, we just counted them. Okay, so you got your category from a very large sample size. You try to control for some of the different um, side effects by taking out mild to moderate and only doing severe and and uh, death statistics mm -hmm. from the vaccine. What you found was that for every, correct me if I'm wrong, for every six vaccinations or six deaths the vac that COVID presents, that the vaccine prevents from COVID, it causes four. Is that what I hear? I'm not sure it causes it, but they are reported because the causation is never studied. It's a yeah. little bit like the 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 death toll toll of COVID nineteen death uh, reported in these uh, dashboards. They are also not looked at in terms of causality. They are yeah. just associated. And in the same sense, the 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 death reported in that adverse data. Uh, database reporting system, they are associated or coming uh, in temporal vicinity to those vaccinations. And they would have to be uh, studied more closely in terms of causality, but that would require autopsies. And I think our call is to really do that, to look carefully into the side effects. And what I think is necessary is just a large cohort study of a large group of people, say a million or so, consecutively observe people who have been vaccinated and every report of a side effect, every report of a death should be uh, studied for its potential causality to a relationship to the vaccination and then we would actually know. So our study is in principle a call to action 
for governments, for uh, authorities to install or to, to initiate such a study. Yeah. And I'm actually flabbergasted that this has not been done right from the beginning, because as we know, uh, what, what is currently being, being done is a huge experiment on humanity mm. with no control group, Oof. because these type of vaccines have never been used before. And we have no idea whether there is a, a safety leak or not, because uh, these vaccinations have been telescoped. That means uh, they have been introduced to humans without the necessary safety precautions that are normally applied, studies in animals or so. And so uh, I think it is hugely necessary yeah. that such a, a safety study is being instigated very, very quickly. And it should have been done right from the beginning when these vaccinations were admitted to market. They should have been uh, accompanied by post-marketing surveillance safety studies. And to my knowledge, that has not happened. Yeah. I've looked into the clinical trials uh, database just a couple of days ago, and there are about 500 uh, regulatory trials uh, for the purpose of uh, of admission of new vaccination uh, vaccines, um, efficacy trials, but there is no single post-marketing surveillance cohort study that would be big enough to actually answer the safety questions which we raised. Okay, so that's very interesting. So I'm going to zoom out again and kind of follow along. So you you concluded this study with this kind of intense statistic um, that many think is just straight anti-vaxxer for you, that you, they're dubbing you immediately an anti-vaxxer because you're just asking a question. And then once you publish this article, it goes through the three rounds of peer review, the peer review process. I looked at some of the replies to some of these peer reviews and uh, the scientists were saying, hey, like he's got a point. Uh, though this doesn't necessarily mean, you know, correlation doesn't mean causation or vice versa with the, the that's the Achilles heel of research, right? Um, mm -hmm. They say that he's got a point. So let's maybe look into it. Well, it gets published. After it gets published, six of the editors say, if this doesn't get pulled, we're going to resign. Is that what I hear? Yeah. Okay. That's what so, happened. so then after that, sorry, let me just finish this and then you can finish. I want to hear what you have to say. Um, after the six editors, make this stink they pull it um and then you are you try and rebut it you try and say hey let me here's my rebuttal they decline your rebuttal and then now the vaccine journal does not want to publish it is that right yeah okay it it was retracted and before it was retracted we were asked questions we answered all those questions but these answers were never published on the website of the journal uh, you can find them on Retraction Watch, where, where I sent it to. They have published it, but okay. it was not published by the journal. And it is prob pro probably important to know this journal has about 350 editors. So six of them uh, complained wow. and and uh, said they would be re retiring and they would be uh, stepping down from the editorial board. And in fact, one of, of the editors wrote us, a letter saying he didn't want to to be known publicly, but he wanted to say that he was dismayed by that process. So it's not just people protesting. There are also people uh, supporting us, probably less than protesting, but there are quite a few who have been supportive. And I, th I don't understand 
uh, why uh, this protest would lead to a retraction of the paper instead of action on part of governments and researchers, because that is what we actually wanted. Well, we're seeing censorship and repression from a variety of different sources um, to fight against a narrative that uh, the COVID vaccine is questionable. And mRNA technology, it could be amazing for the future of public health and vaccines. Um, but the curiosity about the, this mRNA technology is that it hasn't been tested. And that's kind of what you're trying to say. Like, you're not saying that, or correct me if I'm wrong, you're not saying that uh, this vaccine is going to kill millions of people. You're just saying, hey, here's some weird things that we're finding. Um, it's cause for concern. Let's look into it. But instead of them saying, you, I agree, you, you have some sort of point, they just kind of picked apart you. You got fired. You uh, were dubbed an anti-vaxxer, saying that you don't know what you're talking about. They really attacked your yeah. character. Exactly. I mean, there was some character assassination going on also, because <clears throat> as you you said I was I, I lost my job. I mean, it, I, I, it doesn't matter because I'm 64, so I don't really care for that. But, you know. <laughs> Uh, That's awesome. Still, it is it is it is serious because we did nothing wrong, you know. I mean, we did not even say vaccines cause these deaths. We just say these uh, vaccine uh, these deaths are in association with these uh, vaccinations, mm. and we did use some strong language. I agree, but I mean, there is uh, the publishing ethics code, and that has exactly three reasons for retractions: fabricated data wrong analysis or plagiarism and none of these causes are actually present so what could have happened what would have been a discussion by publishing all these concerns and us answering these concerns so people could make up their mind who is right and what should be done but a retraction is actually the wrong action in that situation wow wow, wow. that's insane um we're, but we're seeing this all over the place, and it's very concerning. We're seeing that uh, people like you who, who has have com literally committed their entire life to research, so you know how to make a research study sound, um, are being canceled, right? I mean, I know in today's world, the cancel culture is a very real thing. And if you go against a narrative, you just kind of get uh, thrown under the bus and your entire career gets shot. And that seems like what they're trying to do to you right now. And that's why I wanted to reach out to hear your story on how you got the study out um, and then how you're moving forward. So, so what's next? What do we do now with this study? Well, we are trying to publish it again and it is under review with another journal and we have had good uh, reports so far. I think another review is missing and I'm quite confident that it is going to be uh, published again. And, I think this this is a this is a deliberate pro a provocative act. I must say it is provocative, because I think what needs to happen is that governments and authorities take that seriously and look into the safety profile of these vaccines. It doesn't mean we shouldn't we shouldn't vaccinate, but it means we should be careful. And maybe before we carry on with a full-blown campaign to vaccinate everybody, including children, we should be looking into the safety profile of that. And nobody has done that. And I think this is a valid point that needs to be taken seriously. And everybody who does not do that uh, is actually uh, committing, I, I would say, uh, maybe not a criminal act, but an omission that might turn into 
criminal act if it turns out that we are right. I mean, we may be wrong and I hope we are wrong, but if we are not wrong, then we are in trouble. Have you seen, last question, have you seen a uh, change in how research has been done over the past decade? Like, have you seen all this repression building up or is this the first time that you've seen this type of outright repression? I have, not, <clears throat> I have not seen that before. I mean, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm 64 now and I'm in the business more than 30 years and I have not seen anything like that. I think it is very typical of that COVID-19 uh, uh, situation which probably stems from the fact that we were overwhelmed with that pandemic and nobody knew what was going on. Governments had to make very quick decisions. And I think a lot of those decisions have been wrong. But mm. now, uh, after the decisions have been taken, nobody wants to admit that maybe some of the decisions were wrong because they fear of they fear to be sued they fear uh, that they might lose power they fear i don't know what and and that is the problem that we have catapulted us into a uh, into the logic of a narrative that we need to follow through in order for everybody to save faces and that is the problem i think and that i have not seen before wow. i only saw that with that with that covid-19 uh, situation what I love about you is that uh, they threatened you with your character, your uh, your history of research. They threat they did fire you, but instead of that being a threat to you, you just doubled down. You said, "I'll just retire." <laughs> you're like, "It's okay. I this is this is an accurate study," and you're like, "I don't care. I'm just going to well, retire." Well, you see, I'm I'm earning my money by being a freelance scientist, and that is that is the only thing that saves me because I'm I'm not dependent on anybody. I mean, I'm That's dependent amazing. on those who who give me. Uh, contracts but i don't think that they will care so and if they do then i retire yeah. <laughs> all right dr wallach i know you're uh, you're tired and you got to get to get to be done with this so thank you so much for coming on the show i appreciate your time yeah, yeah, I really you're hope, very welcome thank you for asking me <laughs> yeah i hope that this study gets published we'll hear more from you okay i think it will yeah mm -hmm. all right have a good one bye but, thanks caleb bye-bye